Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at Amber and BGA. Today I talked to Patrick Fleshner about his new book, Fast Scaling, The Smart Path to Building Massively Valuable Businesses. We talk about the startup investment strategy, as well as whether it's the right choice to do an MBA as a founder of a tech company. Here's that conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your career, please? Yes, of course. Uh, first of all, thanks, uh, Ellen, for, for having me today. Um, it's a great pleasure. So a little bit of uh, my background. Um, I'm a lawyer by training. I studied law um, and uh, actually always uh, wanted to do more something business related. Um, but I was, uh, in fact, a little bit uh, too good at, at law. So, so I continued uh, practicing law as a lawyer in an international business law firm, Freshfields Brookhouse Deringer, um, where I worked on large buyout transaction, uh, private equity transactions, both sell side and buy side. A pretty exciting time, but nevertheless, I, I always uh, thought about actually I wanted to invest myself. And um, then I, I decided to do an MBA at INSEAD, which was a great experience, great learnings, great people. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this was um, during the financial crisis. So afterwards, um, starting a business um, or de- immediately switching sides and, and becoming an investor was kind of uh, not possible. So I then decided to uh, go back to law and became a partner at uh, two business law firms in, in Germany, where I then worked on, on venture deals, corporate venture capital, and uh, small buyout transactions. Um, and in 2015, Metro Group, one of my, my clients at that time, asked me whether I wanted to join and establish the corporate venture capital unit for Metro Group, which I did in 2015. So now um, we uh, have been investing for almost six years in both early stage companies and late stage companies. We have an accelerator program, uh, Metro Group um, started with Techstars together, where really early stage um, companies and wannabe founders applied um, and then a growth fund where we really invest in, in, in high growth businesses. So overall, I think I've seen the whole spectrum of, of, of startups, founders, and, and actually have seen what makes some succeed and others fail. Yeah, and, and here I am. And then, yeah, last year I wrote the book, The Fast Scaling, um, about a, a smart path to building a business. Yeah, and um, yeah, today I'm here with you, Ellen. Amazing. So it's a book that I'd mainly like to speak to you about today. So could you tell me a little bit more about some of the main themes and give us a little brief introduction to it? Yes, of course. Um, so I decided to write this book for, for several reasons. Um, first of all, when I, when I looked at our portfolio, I certainly as an investor also have to look at what makes some succeed and some fail. And I realized that um, a cash burn um, is, a, is a signal that, that um, something might go wrong. Um, and then I dive deeper into the reasons for, for, for this high cash burn. And I realized that many of these companies that actually and then at the end failed um, decided to scale prematurely, too, too fast, too early. They wanted to get big fast without having validated the business model. That was actually kind of my conclusion. 
And then there was this um, uh, book, and it still is a great book, Blitzscaling, written by Reed Hoffman and, and Chris Yeh, in which they describe how to actually scale a business um, uh, really, really fast with a, with a strong focus on top line. And um, I've met so many founders who said, you know, I want to Blitzscale. And, and when we uh, discussed this, you know, I asked, actually, why do you want to Blitzscale? What's the reason? Is the market requiring you to be so fast? And, and indeed, sometimes they didn't have any good answer. It was more about, isn't this the way that people should do it now? Is, isn't this the way how startups need to be scaled? Um, and in fact, it is not. Um, every startup is different and every startup needs a different growth strategy. And then uh, finally, I, I've come across a, a study conducted by Genome Report, Stanford and, and Berkeley, in which they analyzed 3,200 startups in order to figure out what makes some succeed and others fail? And they concluded that 70%, so 70% of all startups fail due to premature scaling. And then after having all these three incidents in, in, in place and, uh, and immediately um, before the pandemic started, I decided, well, maybe I should write a book um, about how to not blitz scale, but how to really build a business in a smart manner. So it was a little bit provocative, uh, calling my, my book uh, Fast Scaling, and uh, Reed Hoffman's book is Blitz Scaling. The subtitle of uh, Reed Hoffman's book is uh, The Lightning Fast Path to uh, Building a Massively Valuable Business. And in my view, uh, I write about a smart path to, to building a massively valuable business. Um, and yeah, and the main theme is, you know, um, there are two, two stages. First, it's really important to validate the business model and then it's about scaling and it's also about scaling fast. So don't get me wrong. It's not about slow growth. It's just about being smart and first validate the model, find product market fit, find a channel to, to, the, key, uh, to the key target customers, make sure that the unit economics work, have a stable technology uh, and certainly a large market in front of you. And, and if this is all in place, you can really start scaling fast and uh, fuel the growth engine. And fast scaling is also not about just pouring money into marketing and sales. It's really about still focusing on customer success, generating predictable revenue, growing efficiently, so nicely balancing cash burn with, with growth, and certainly also about leadership. Uh, what, is, what is required from a leader to actually get through this growth valley of death between 1 million and 10 million in revenues where, where many, many founders actually actually fail. And yeah, that, that's actually what I explain in the book. It's, I talk about the why, uh, the what and the how, um, and then yeah, and try to help founders actually get a sense of like a, a company-wide understanding of what high growth actually requires. So that really nicely brings me on to my next question. What are some of the biggest mistakes which startup leaders make in the early years of starting their businesses? Yeah, so I think the main theme of the book is certainly that they try to go big um, really fast and too early. So if, if, if the study is not uh, far off, I think this is one of the main reasons why founders actually fail. Um, some people you can read uh, say uh, that it's it's because they run out of cash. Yeah, I think this is rather a consequence than than a reason. Um, so uh, funny enough, but anyway, um, starting a business, I mean, you need to have a long-term view. It's nothing that you accomplish in, in two or three years. There are certainly these kind of stories that people um, create a business 
um, and after three months, uh, they are valued uh, at 150 million or get uh, 500 million in funding. But th these are rare exceptions. In general, this is a long-term commitment from a founder um, and you need to plan uh, correctly for, for, for the journey. What does this actually mean? I think in my view, why, why do some founders fail? Um, they do not um, create a really complementary team. I think this is really important. Also, being a, a, a founder um, is probably not enough. I think um, there are so many tasks that need to be handled correctly that it's really good if, if founders um, create a strong team with complementary skills. And this is also something that early stage investors look at. How good is this team? Have they a relevant background? So some people talk about founder market fit. Huh? And it's often really good to see founders who have worked in an industry, have made certain experiences, have seen pain points, and now want to create a solution that solves, the, solves this pain. So this is kind of founder market fit um, that investors look at. But the team is really, really important. Mm. And then certainly another mistake, uh, unfortunately, um, in my view, founders tend to overestimate how large their market really is. Um, if you look at pitch decks, you usually get at a second or third slide some huge bubbles talking about 5 billion market, 10 billion market. But if you talk about the market size with the founders, many cannot really explain how they get to these numbers. They have found them in some research papers. But being, being really um, <clears throat> thorough when it comes to market sizing is so important because I think this is something that uh, I would say almost all investors share is that you know the market is often not as big as, as founders think. And uh, in my book, I certainly also describe how, how to actually size the market, how to, how to do it precisely. Because if you really start the business, create a founder team, maybe invest your own money into something where uh, an investor could immediately see that the market is not large enough. <clears throat> it's, it's a waste of time, energy, and resources. So I think market sizing and creating a, a, a strong founder team is something at the very beginning really, really important. We often hear in the news about these tech companies that just go from seemingly nothing to you know, household names kind of overnight. Um, what would your advice be to entrepreneurs who want to take a steady approach but feel pressure from investors and the market in general to go fast and boom like these companies? Yeah, I think it's really important. There, there are good reasons to be fast and, and some, some um, startups need to be fast. Um, so I think in, in, in the Blitzscaling book, this is an example, this is Airbnb. Um, they wanted to pursue a steady approach, want to validate the business model in the US. And then after validate, having validated the business model, they wanted to accelerate growth. And then <clears throat> there, there came up um, the clone from the Zamba Brothers Rocket Internet in Germany, fueled with a lot of uh, uh, money. And um, now they had to decide whether they should continue validating the business model or uh, invest heavily in growth in order to compete against the, the German clone. And they successfully um, pursued this blitz-scaling blitz growth strategy, and it was the right strategy at that time. Another good example is the e-scooter companies. Um, if, you, if you first look, so I, I have really doubts about their business model and the um, viability of their business model, but 
Um, I'm not invested in one of them. But anyhow, if if you if you have these kind of e-scooter company, you cannot just focus, let's say, on on London, and and work hard um, in order to validate the business model because everywhere else, um, all competitors will already be um, active. So also there, I understand that people really need to be fast and and get market share really really fast. But as I said before, I think a founder needs to really analyze what growth strategy is the right one for him or her. So if if the market dynamics require someone to be fast, then you should be fast. And hopefully you find the investors who help you grow because it, it, it entails a lot of cash burn and for the founder, a lot of dilution. So the share of the company, the share in the company they have founded gets diluted. So I think this is also something really important to understand. If you grow fast before you have validated the business model, you need a lot of cash and that cash comes from investors and the investors get a stake in your company. I think, um, and maybe also to mention it, the study conducted by Genome Report, Stanford and Berkeley also came to the conclusion that the companies that take a little bit more time and first validate the business model and then scale, effectively, eventually grow 20 times faster um, than the ones who, who scale prematurely. So it is all about um, understanding does my market require me to grow fast or can I take a little bit more time and first validate the business model, see strong unit economics, a good payback period so that I can really plan how I want to grow, how I can balance cash burn and, and growth. So it's all about understanding the market that the founder is in. If there is no market dynamic that requires to prioritize speed over efficiency, don't do it. Yeah, then take your time. Um, and certainly, um, I also hear founders saying that you know my angel investors, my early stage investors, they say you need to grow. You need to grow, um, and that's correct. If you don't grow, I think um, it will be very, very difficult to find follow-on investors and to really scale the business. You need to grow your business. You need to. Uh, acquire new customers, learn from the new customers, from your from your processes. Um, that's important. The question is, you know, how fast you, you need, need to grow. And and there I can only say, um, even if someone offers you 150 million, 200 million funding, that's great. I would also accept it. But I would always take a step back and ask myself, okay, how do I spend it now? And is it really, where, where do I have to focus? Um, I need to grow. I need to achieve what my, my investors now want me to achieve. But um, as a founder, you're also responsible for, you know, the long-term success of the company, the success of your stakeholders. So taking a step back and understanding, you know, should I maybe focus a little bit more on getting to product market fit in a certain region? Should I test other channels? Are my unit economics strong enough? And in fact, is our technology uh, stable, secure, and scalable so that if the growth kicks in, um, uh, it can actually cope with, with such growth? So these are the questions I think a founder should ask uh, herself or himself, um, and um, it all comes down to understanding, have you actually validated the business model? Have you found product market fit, product channel fit in the specific regions, in the specific channels, in the specific key target customer segments? If so, I think it's good to um, to accelerate growth and, and capture market share. If not, I, my advice is always take a little bit more time and first validate it. And speaking about investment strategy, 
What do you believe that the investment strategy pursued by the likes of Tiger Global and SoftBank makes sense? Ah, well, thanks, Alan, um, for, for bringing this topic up. Um, just recently, one of the biggest um, economic newspapers in Israel uh, picked up my, my book and, and uh, we've done an interview about it. And I think in this interview, it's also mentioned that uh, Tiger Global and, 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 and SoftBank are also mentioned. Um, so I think from my perspective, the, the book fast scaling is not about saying that some investment strategy is better than an, than another uh, investment strategy. Yeah, it's the book has been written solely to help founders find the right growth strategy. And what SoftBank and, and Tiger Global do is just um, they pursue a different a different investment strategy, and <clears throat> they have a certain a very valid right to play. And um, especially Tiger Global can be a perfect investor for for many, many startups, many founders. I have um, myself um, personally been in touch with founders who then uh, accepted Tiger Global as the investor. And in my view, it, it was a perfect fit. So um, I've already talked about you know founder market fit. There's also this founder investor fit. You need to find the right investor for your business, for you personally. So if you if you don't need someone who's like hands on um, and and doesn't want to and you don't need someone on the board of directors to help you really operationally sharing knowledge um, and network, then why not work with someone who's who's really hands off? But if you need someone, there are also operational VCs who are really down and get really into the nitty gritties and 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 help you um, with your with your business. So I, I think. Um, SoftBank and Entire Global can be perfect uh, partners for, for founders. Um, it's all about you know understanding what your business and what you require from an investor. And then um, I also advise founders to always you know when it comes to fundraising, you know understand exactly who invests in your industry, in your market, in your geography. In your, in your stage of the company and focus your fundraising efforts on, on, on these investors, um, build um, strong relationships with them early on, maybe hopefully through warm intros, um, because this is, I think, um, the, the best approach. So uh, long, long story short, I think Tiger Global, SoftBank, or um, other, other investors who um, back founders who blitz scale, that's, that's totally fair uh, and can make a lot of sense um, if, if the market dynamics require this. That's really interesting. So we've kind of talked about leaders and founders quite a lot in the podcast so far. And there's kind of this image of a startup leader being this really charismatic person. And well, we all have images in our head of famous founders. Do you think that it's essential for a great startup leader to be this charismatic leader? Is there different types of leader that works for a startup? Um, so I think leadership, um, so maybe one step back, I think I've talked a little bit about um, the, the fast scaling foundation, yeah? product market fit, product channel fit, unit economics, strong unit economics, uh, scalable technology and a large market. If it comes to fast scaling, there are four building blocks. This is a strong focus on customer success. It's growing predictably, it's growing efficiently, and then it's about leadership, a lot about leadership. Um, and in fact, I, I talk in um, three, three chapters in the book are dealing with leadership. Um, and I think you need, you know, as a founder, you need to hire strong, strong people, really, really strong people 
Um, and in order to do so, I think you need to be someone who others um, feel comfortable following. Uh, so, so being a leader and having leadership skills is, is really important. Um, in my view, leaders can be very, very different. Um, and there is not this one version of a leader. So being charismatic, I think, is, is really good. Um, but there are also, I think, non-charismatic leaders who have successfully built um, businesses. I think it's more about, um, for me, about, let's say, three, three main topics. Is one is being self-aware. So really understanding um, where are my weaknesses, where are my strengths, and then working on solving my, my weaknesses by maybe reading books about uh, what I need to understand. So Elon Musk says, you know, I uh, rocket science, I read about it and talked to people, yeah, really smart. So I think uh, never stop learning, but also complementing yourself by hiring strong A people um, who, who have the skills that you, you do not have. So being self-aware of, of strengths and weaknesses is something that I think is very important in a leader. Then it's self-regulation. This is my personal perspective. I, I do not want to work for someone who shouts uh, at me or uh, doesn't, you know, uh, regulate the, the, the feelings. Um, so for me, self-regulation, uh, staying calm, um, even if, if, uh, if something goes wrong, I think shows them the, the rest of the, the company that you are under control. Um, everything will, will be solved. Uh, so being this kind of self-regulated is something that I see in many strong founders. And last, but uh, definitely not least, it's about communication skills. How do you um, communicate um, your, your vision, your mission? Um, so when it comes to fast scaling, uh, I think it's also about being a role model. And, and that is a kind of communication. So if, if you want them, uh, your, your employees, to, to put the customer first uh, and grow, let's say, efficiently, um, look at your cash burn, but then you burn cash yourself um, without thinking about it. Um, no wonder that the others don't feel um, that they are working with a strong leader. Uh, another example is when I go to, into offices, startup offices, um, there are always these dashboards at the wall. I immediately look at what is on these dashboards. So if, if, there's, if they are only talking about top-line growth and the next three months top-line growth, don't be surprised that nobody in the in the whole organization focuses on on customer success and long term success. So it's about really being a role model uh, and 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 leading with strong communication skills, being self aware, self regulated. But I'm to be honest, also um, I'm far away from being the one who can say this is a strong leader or not. So in my book, I only share. Um, like patterns that I see. I also ask questions, give some guidance um, about, you know, what, what founders should think about um, in, in terms of leadership skills. And, um, and and leadership has also to do with, with investors and board members that you surround yourself with. So creating a high-functional board of directors is one chapter in the book because in, in my view, many founders believe that this board of directors is more kind of a reporting board where, where they say, look, these are the numbers. Sometimes they say also something about problems, but I, I think they have this wonderful opportunity to create a board of directors with high profile people, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. I think in my view, 
if these people come into one room for five hours, they should only talk about the key problems that the founder has. Um, and if she needs help, then she should access access the, these, these great um, people in the, in the board. Um, and, and this is also, I think, a leadership skill. Are you actually a leader who is, um, let's say, brave enough to bring up topics that uh, might show that, that you're, you're in trouble or that you, you have uh, really severe problems? Um, or are you hiding them uh, so, so that the board of directors actually is, is not aware of the problems? So I think it's about being a strong leader, being, being also honest, uh, trustworthy, and uh, building a long-term fruitful relationship with investors and board members. Now, we are unfortunately running out of time, but I think it'd be a nice of me if I didn't ask you about your MBA. And you're coming from a unique kind of position being an expert on startups and having done an MBA. And I just wanted to know, do you think it would be beneficial for startup founders to do an MBA? Um, I think it's beneficial, but I also know that there are, I would say, I don't know the, the exact percentage, but I would say that 50% of the investors say an MBA is, uh, founder MBA is great. Others would say um, it's a waste of time. I personally uh, would again answer this questions in this question in a way that it depends on the founder. So if you look at me, I was a lawyer and I've always worked on business transactions. I have also um, a, a business uh, master degree, uh, a legal master degree in international business law, but I never felt really 100% comfortable, you know, becoming an investor because I, I, I felt something is missing. So I decided to do this MBA and now the combination of, you know, being a lawyer, having been a lawyer, um, understanding all these kind of transactions and understanding now the business side this is really, really what, what helped me get to the next level and, and, and switch the sites. And uh, so if you are like someone who is a, a physician um, and, and you have a great idea, but you, you, you lack the, the business acumen, an MBA might be the perfect, perfect tool to get to the next level. So I think it really, really depends on the founder. But uh, if, you, if you go through an MBA program, um, you learn so much um, about uh, and what you can use throughout your lifetime. I never regretted uh, to go to INSEAD and do my MBA there. Um, I still have friends, um, a great alumni network. Um, I think um, when I was um, doing the MBA, I thought the hard skills that I, I would learn were the, the most important ones. Now, after I think uh, almost 10 years, um, it's it's more the soft skills also. Um, about leadership and, and uh, dealing with other people, uh, dealing with crisis. Um, yeah, this is something so valuable. So I can only recommend everybody to do an MBA if, if it's possible. At least I have never regretted it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. My pleasure. And thanks so much. Thank you so much to Patrick for being on the podcast. If you'd like more thought leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition and make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast.